0: Father, we see the expressions of death. Father, as we think about Chris and Guy, give them comfort that comes from you. As the process of this father has passed away, their father has passed away, father, and has died. And and Father, we just ask for their comfort, encouragement to them at that time. And folks down in Florida, Father, we can only just, we just pour out our hearts and say, Father, may you somehow, in some special way, touch their hearts. The people that are here, Father, that are are experiencing the aftermath of that, Father, may you, by your Spirit, enter into their lives and give them, in the midst of tragedy, hope and encouragement. Father, we need you. We need you so desperately, Father, as we navigate through life, as we face the tragedies and even the joys of our lives, Father. We just ask your presence processing with us. Amen. I hope with the past series on joy that you experienced some joy i would encourage you to often refer to the book of philippians you know when you're studying other passions portions of the scripture that are much more difficult and dark and hard and you you know it's always good to go back and realize that philippians is there as kind of a counterweight to give us what joy looks like but now we want to turn our attention to this lenten season because of his love we are going to look at a variety of things because of his love. But they're all, in a sense, are going to surround the cross. What Christ has done for us, and, and from identity to what he, how he's given us new life, we're going to be looking at that, and the subjects are in the bulletin. You can look at them. But because of his love this morning, I want to focus, we have infinite worth. Infinite worth and value. Amazing, Psalm 30, 139, as was read, and we recited together the words of that, How powerful they are speaking to the importance of creation and god's goodness he knows us intimately his presence is always with us he was a designer of us as persons and god has plans for us even while we're in the womb think of the implications of that that's a magnificent psalm and those are places we need to go to anchors in the scriptures when we feel like our worth is low and we don't feel like we have any worth and value we've got to go to passages like that As God says, wait a minute, I have a special investment in you and a special care. Because of his love, Jesus journeyed to the cross. Because of his love, we have to understand profoundly how our lives can be radically changed. If we respond, as Pam in her prayer, respond to the gracious gift, because it is a gracious gift that God offers to humanity. The gracious gift that we receive as fallen people, the hope that's found in the power of the gospel. And when that happens, we experience an identity, a new identity, a better understanding of who we are in creation, and the experience of the recreation process that we experience in our Savior Jesus. So let's explore for a moment our worth and our identity. It's so central to the Christian faith. It's so central to the power of the gospel is identity. I think once we come to Christ, I think the most important thing of our Christian journey is identity. Uh, it's reinforced in the good news Uh, a commentator of days past said this matthew henry come and see the victories of the cross Christ's wounds is your healing his agony is your peace his conflicts your conquests his groans your song his pain your ease his shame your glory his death your life and his suffering your salvation That's why we got to explore these subjects this lenten season as we journey to the cross i want to ask you a question you can respond to me in culture today how do people derive their value and worth you can just call it out how do people in our world we talk about our identity because there's so much talk about identity it's every day there's conversations about identity it seems how do people derive their identity in culture Money. money career What's that? Likes. Likes? media. Oh, okay, okay, all right, all right, got it, got it now. Okay, thank you for clarifying, Brian. Okay, what else? What people say about us. Our families. Well, oh, you popped those right out, didn't you? The question becomes, what happens if you no longer have those friends, or you no longer have that job, or resources dry up, or somehow your education is thwarted? The question becomes, when those things happen, where do we find ourselves as it relates to identity? Where do we find ourselves? Timothy Keller on identity says, if anything threatens your identity, you will not just be anxious, but sometimes it paralyzes us with fear. If you lose your identity through the failings of someone else, you will not just be resentful, but you can be locked into bitterness. If you lose it through your own failings, you will hate or despise yourself as a failure as long to some people as they live. Only if your identity is built on God and His love can you have a self that can venture anything, can face anything. Timothy Keller in the book, The Reason for God. Now I want to take a step back for a moment and this identity is so important, but we've got to go back to the creation of the world to understand it. In the Bible it's easy to find Genesis, just open the page right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it's easy to find. But I want us to understand that our worth and identity is first established in creation. That powerful statement that dominates the creation, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's one of the most powerful worldview statements that has ever been uttered and it's just uttered as a proposition. It was God who brought into being all that exists. And we have the spirit of God, maybe the Holy Spirit that's hovering over creation. And also in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and through him all things were made as the triune God unpacks the creation of this magnificent world. And if anything is derived by that statement, God created the heavens and the earth is this, that we all we have God, we all come from God. He brought everything into being. And we need to realize every day that everything we have, everything that we see, everything comes from the very hand and the creative genius of God. In Genesis 2 is another window to the creation. We are fashioned from dirt, actually dirt, dust. As an Ash Wednesday, we we talked about coming from dust and return to dust. It's not the chemical elements that make us and our body that give us worth. It was the Spirit of God who breathed into that piece of dust and dirt that gave it life. It was the Spirit of God that gave life and we became living beings. And if you ever experience a loved one or somebody close to you that's died, right shortly after they die, you see the body shuts down. And you just simply see that the Spirit, the life, is gone. We understand we have a counter-world view to the world view of God as the creator in materialistic evolution. was a fellow by the name of Will Provine who died in 2015 who was an evolutionary biologist. And he said to us, physical matter is in motion is all that exists. He was honest enough to say that this world view provides no consistent foundation for ethics. And I think it's important for us to think clearly about these things. Survival of the fittest, the centerpiece of Darwinism, if applied to humankind, which has been and will be, it will be devastating and destructive for human societies. We have a basis, folks, of all human beings' worth, which is found in creation. This magnificent creation that God created of order this unbelievable design that we see unfolding in genesis chapter one the purposefulness of god and his creation there's a design there's a respect for his creation as every one of his creative chapters is given by the statement it is good it is good and every day we ought to think of the magnificent good of god's wonderful creation but when he comes to the sixth day he says something it is very good Because human beings, you and I, are the crown, jewel of creation. We have something unique in God's design that the rest of the created world does not possess. Animals and other elements of creation have dignity in creation but do not possess human personhood. Sorry, animal lovers. What is it? The biblical text says human beings, male and female equally, are made in the image of God. We have the abilities possessed that allows us to share this unbelievable relationship with God. That we can think, we can have emotions and will. He gave us unique life and he declares our worth. He declares our worth and defines us as persons, regardless of what happens in our lives. He says to us, you are valued in my creation. You know, C.S. Lewis, when he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he Salted throughout every one of them all kinds of theology. In the book Prince Caspian, there was a group of people, the Talmarines, who were pirates and who attacked Aslan's land of Narnia. And at the end, as when they were defeated, Aslan gave them an opportunity to join in to what he was doing in Narnia. And they refused prince caspian who was a talmarine and he was from a group of pirates he said i wish was just wished i came from more honorable lineage at that point the lion aslan the god figure makes a statement of theological anthropology that the readers were meant to hear and to claim as well you come from the lord adam and the lady eve and that is an honor enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth Friend, Caspian, you can be content with who you are. We can be content with who we are in creation. The implications are staggering. The implications are so significant when we see people. Even though people are fallen because of the fall, they still have in them that dignity that's found in the image of God. And when we encounter people, it's a question of what do you see? you see people with dignity even again though fallen but made in the image of god an object of god's creative power and genius is that what you see when you see people we not only have dignity in the creation as persons but we have dignity of purpose he made us to rule over all creation to really to co-manage the world together with god and god wants us to take responsibility in managing this world together with him Stewardship of the earth and the world is significant responsibility of human beings and stewardship of the environment. Christians ought to be the forefront of such discussions because it's weaved into the purpose of creation. And the first task was the naming of the animals. And it's really significant how God says, with animals, you give them the name, and whatever the name you give them, that's what they are. He's not, he's not going to step in and say, what a lousy name you gave there. Because he made them to co-manage the earth. And he's given responsibility Goes to the, as he looks at all these animals that he's naming, naming and their counterparts, he realizes that he doesn't have anybody for him. And God in his creative love created Eve from the rib to come alongside him, to share life together, man and woman united in marriage, this spiritual, emotional, and physical union, which was God's design from the very beginning, affirmed by Jesus and the apostles. In creation, two most important elements were human dignity, and a description of the family unit. If we neglect to affirm these values, these elements of creation, we suffer the consequences which we've seen throughout human history. But let's bring it more closely to the cross. We are the centerpiece of God's recreation in Christ. We cannot become whole persons unless we are both products of creation and products of recreation. I don't like the term product. A being of recreation. I love that passage of John, First John. that was read, see the great love of the Father has lavished on us. Over the top love that he's lavished on us. That we, you and I, should be called children of God. And that's who we are. In recreation, when you come to Christ, you have to know that you are, you are, I don't care how you feel, you are a child of the living God. When I was growing up there was much pride to the family and the family heritage and the family name you never shame the family or the family name but there was some pride that was there because i belonged to a family and a clan of people called the hovester clan and there was a sense of belonging that i received because i was a child of that family and belonging is such a strong desire for us and people do not have strong family ties seek replacement relationships because belonging is so important and we belong to the family of God now and for all eternity takes us to the foot of the cross and the journey to the cross to see the love that he's lavished on us Heidi Baker finding power in God's lavished love says this God wants your ministry and your lives to flow from the realization that you are a beloved child of God in that place you don't worry too much how people see you you don't worry too much about whether they, they are nice or mean. You don't even worry, worry about if they love you or hate you. You don't worry because simply go, you are loved, and you are to love them. This comes from knowing who he is and what he thinks of you. This is what it means to grasp you are a child of a living God. We're very familiar with the prodigal story of the two prodigals. The sadness of that story is really written to the one son who refused to realize he was in the family. He's really like the Talmarines in C.S. Lewis's writing in Caspian. He just doesn't realize, he doesn't want to realize that he is part of this wonderful family. But you know what changed that son who was a prodigal who wandered off as he came back and had rehearsed his religious line that he was going to give to his father? His father ran out to him, and he didn't even hear his story, and he embraced him. And when he realized in that embrace that he was still a son of the Father, it transformed him as he came home. We are also called to co-manage the church of Jesus Christ. Like the co-manage of the earth and creation, we have responsibility to co-manage the church, as seen in Matthew 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have a stewardship with God, of the kingdom of God, together with Jesus in recreation. And this morning I want you to come away as you leave this place with the clearest understanding of who you are as you journey to the cross this Lenten season. You have dignity in creation. You are a child of the creator. You are a son of Lord Adam and a daughter a son and daughter of lord adam and lady eve you have dignity and worth every human being you encounter regardless of how fallen has dignity in creation i want you to go away this morning with your dignity and recreation in jesus to realize afresh and anew you are a child of the savior of the world who is jesus christ and folks we need to come home this easter season We need to come home to those realizations. We need to come home to the family of God where this all unpacks for us. And let the storms of life and the assaults of our person, as they come at us sometimes with fury, we have found, as C.S. Lewis says in Prince Caspian, you and me and all of us, we need to be content in who we are. Amen. Let's pray this morning father as we have unpacked your love while your deep deep love in creation as you brought us into being we owe everything to you but father that transformation that comes through knowing Christ is phenomenal the transformation that gives us a new identity that brings us home and we're fully holy as you intended Father, help us to realize this day, regardless of what we face, regardless of the assaults. Father, help us not to accept the, the illusions of what will give us identity and worth, but the reality that's found in Christ. Amen.